Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Whatever happened to that Anne we were both so crazy about? You never liked Anne. That's true. I did not like her. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And from WBEZ in Chicago, this is Nerdette. Coming up, Rico Galliano and Brendan Noonan from Dinner Party Download. WBEZ's Nerdette podcast is supported by the Chicago Council on Global Affairs, hosting speakers like Oscar-winning filmmaker Charmaine obeid Shinoy. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, and former Malawi President Joyce Banda as part of its Women in Global Development Forum. Learn more about upcoming events at thechicagocouncil.org. Nerdette is supported by iSpy Optical, voted Best Eyewear Shop by the Chicago Reader and New City. iSpy Optical strives to supply nerdettes and nerds with unique handmade eyewear and expert advice in a living room atmosphere. Since 1998, iSpy Optical has specialized in out-of-the-ordinary and customized eyeglasses in every color of the rainbow. Located in Lakeview at 3350 North Lincoln Ave in Chicago and at EYESpyOptical.com. Dinner party download. Trisha, I feel like you have the best way of describing what this fellow podcast interview situation is like. So think of this as like on Law & Order. When the crime starts on SVU, but then it's a crossover episode (laughs) and then they have to work with the team from Criminal Intent or from Law and Order proper and they all work together and they just bounce around and it's a crossover episode. So instead of murder, we're going to just be nerdy together, though. That's the difference. Yes. Dinner Party Download. If you haven't heard it before, you absolutely should. It's a great podcast. And the whole idea is it's sort of all the information you would need to be like the most fascinating, delightful guest at a dinner party, which who doesn't want to be that, right? Exactly. And it's an hour-long weekly show from American Public Media. You can hear it every Friday afternoon. Again, it's meant to get you ready for a weekend of sounding clever and knowing what's what. These guys are definitely nerds. We talked to them a little about their nerd origin stories this week. Who would you consider your pop culture spirit guide? Someone who at that formative age of tween to early teen introduced you to the things that you think developed your sense of humor, your taste in music. Who were those people for you? I had a good friend in high school. His name was Brendan. That's also my name. I was big Brendan. He was little Brendan, just based on height, guys. Uh, (laughs) And we were friends. And his older brother, Brian, was much cooler than us. He was like five years older than us. Toured with the Butthole Surfers. Wow. Okay, that's how that's how cool that guy was. <laughs> um, and um, he had a tape sale at his house. And I remember going over there and I had like whatever $6 from, you know, what, cleaning gutters or whatever. And I bought two cassettes. I bought the replacements, Let It Be. And the Descendants Summary. And I had no idea about either like what they sounded like they just looked cool to me mm. and um oh no three three cassettes sorry guys dinosaur you're living all over man 
So this is like pre-Dinosaur Jr., pre-before they were sued and had to change their name. And I took home those cassettes, and my mind was blown because I listened to a lot of radio, and I, and I was into culture, I guess, but I didn't realize, like, there was really good music that I hadn't heard before. Yeah. I didn't grow up in a college town or anything, and uh, it just blew my mind. And then after that, I just started going to the local record store, Final Vinyl, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and buying everything that I didn't recognize based on covers, like Life Shirts Pageant and Queen is Dead. And- covers were super important back then. They were important, yeah. and, and that, that really opened the door to, to this day, I feel like part of the fuel behind the show is I want like, is there something I don't know about? I want to know what's going on. Like, like I'm, I'm almost borderline paranoid <laughs> that I'm not going to know about something in culture. And um, I think that's, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how I got into it. So Brian Dugan also bought us beer. So, <laughs> very important Which made it all just seem even all the better. This is interesting. There's a, a guy, he might even listen to this podcast. His name is uh, Jim Ferguson. And among other things, do you guys remember that band Lotion in the 90s? They had a couple of minor MTV hits and no. were really fantastic. Among other things, they had, um, oh man, who's the author who just, they, uh, P.T. Anderson just made the first film version of it? Thomas Pynchon. Thomas Pynchon. I believe oh, wow. Thomas Pynchon wrote the liner notes for their first album, which is insane. That is nuts. Uh, yes. And that guy, I was... But, I mean, anyone could claim that, though, by the way, because he's not going to come out of hiding and say that he didn't do it. Right? <laughs> That's true. This is the one thing I have to set the record straight on. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know what, Lotion, yep. you what, you took this too far. J.D. Salinger <laughs> did the liner notes for my college band. Exactly. exactly. My senior yearbook was written by... Thomas Pynchon. Basically claim anything you wrote was actually Thomas Pynchon. He's producing this interview right now. uh, This guy, Jim Ferguson, was in high school with me. This is pre-Lotion. And it wasn't so much him. Which was a band. Yes. (laughs) It wasn't him so much as his lab notebook. We had chemistry lab together. And on the front of his lab notebook, I thought this guy was so cool. He was in like a, he was already in bands in high school that were really great. And on his lab notebook, he had written all of these band names. And I basically figured if he's into those bands, those are all the bands that I need to be into. He was also a really good artist, so he like wrote the logos exactly how they were, and the logos looked so cool, especially back. This is like in the eighties. They're like Herb Albert and the <laughs> Tijuana Brass. Oh my god, how did he get <laughs> that font? They have to be cool. That sort of old world Mexican. Font. I too need whipped cream and other delights. <laughs> it was like. R.E.M., he was the first guy I knew. This was, you know, around probably Chronic Town era. He was writing down R.E.M. Who else was on there? Depeche Mode, definitely. Bauhaus. But I remember the kind of... college rock stuff. Exactly. But the most obscure one, which I didn't actually ever get to hear until years later, was Young Marble Giants. Totally obscure. I think they finally re-released that record in the 2000s at some point, and I finally got to hear it because nobody... You could never find those records anywhere. What was his name again? Jim Ferguson. Both Irish background. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but I guess that's not too surprising where we grew up. And it was interesting. Later on, his his band toured through my hometown of Pittsburgh, and I was the music critic, and I actually wrote about his... <laughs> His lab notebook and how influential it was and how now his band belonged on some kid's lab notebook. Oh. I brought it full circle, you guys. That's so nice. Paying it forward. That's adorable. Or backward, I guess. <laughs> this Nerdette podcast is supported by the Art Institute of Chicago presenting Temptation, The Demons of James Enzer, described by the Wall Street Journal as a Belgian horror show and featuring the creations of an artist the New York Times calls an eclectic genius. Details at artic.edu. Hey, 
I assume now a lot of people are like going to you for pop culture spirit guiding, right? You are these people now. Oh, that's frightening. How do you prioritize the nerderies? How do you make the time? How do you prioritize what you're going to watch or read or look at versus other things? Well, we have it easy yeah. a little bit, right? Because we have to, I mean, we do select what we put on our show. But then we have to prepare for our show every week. At a minimum, it's a movie or an album, no. and often it's a book. And so that pretty much consumes Monday through Thursday. <laughs> for example, tomorrow I'll be interviewing Michael Sarah. I saw his play the other evening, but I'm going to watch a couple movies of his this evening to prep for it. So yeah, pretty much who's on our show is our guideline. But how do we pick those people? Yeah, that's an algorithm that I don't think even we could describe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you you know, quality, like you start, to, you know, you're like, uh, Gary Steingart wrote a book, and I like satire. So that's I want to see that, you know, you, you so you know, people have done great things in the past. And then you there's critics you respect, and you kind of look at them. And then you just have an instinct, you kind of get a feeling for like, hmm, an Adam Sandler movie in Africa, maybe not going to see that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also a, a mix kind of that we're looking for in the show, because there's a lot of segments in the show. So is there's one kind of person on that's say a comedian or something you might want to balance that out with an author or a television person like we're trying in every week to give a cross-section in a way of what's going on in popular culture and mm. so if you've covered the movies maybe you want to look into what's happening in tv or in literature i actually have a better answer your question was about on this larger level like there's so much great stuff how do you make a choice and um i think when i was younger i used to be kind of a completist like i wanted to go to st john's school in annapolis the great books college and learn greek and then read all the books <laughs> oh and i God. thought i could start from the beginning <laughs> and i got in and i almost went and my parents were like wait that's not a bachelor's degree i'm like you don't understand me <laughs> and then i dropped out of antioch twice and lived in a van and i showed them yep but here i am here i am and um it would have been a very different brendan i think wow later i read a quote from doris lessing about reading where she was like look there's a ton of books in the world. Read as much as you like, whenever you like, as many books as you want at a time. Pick it up, put it down. Basically, like, don't give yourself coursework. Don't make it uncomfortable. Like, there's no time for that. Just read and consume whatever. I'm definitely this way about television. There's so much TV that I haven't seen that I'm supposed to see. But I just try to pick it up when I can, when I'm traveling, or I'm, I'll download a bunch of stuff here and there. But I feel like the criteria is almost just like whatever grabs my fancy at the moment. Yeah, I think that's pretty much true. I will say that like the show, in some ways, is also a reflection of our personalities anyway. So we're not going to put stuff on the show that we absolutely hate. We might go outside our comfort zone because we're interested in stuff that's outside our comfort zone. We are learners. But I think generally speaking, we're going to be gravitating to the stuff that we normally want to see in a way the show gives us a reason to go out and consume everything we want. I mean, one thing I remember us talking about early on in starting the show is like, I can't wait until publishers catch on that we have books on the show every episode because we're oh, going to yeah. get all the books. Yes. <laughs> and they do. Totally. And now it's almost like an embarrassment of riches. We literally have several bookshelves next to our associate producer's desk that are like spilling out of the bookshelves. That we can't even read. <laughs> well, years ago, as a researcher for Fresh Air, I remember the first time I went in and I was looking at their shelves and I was like, whoa, they get free books, free movies. Like, it's almost okay to have this crappy public radio salary <laughs> if all the, that's all I spend my money on anyway, like concerts, movies, books. Yeah. And sure enough, that's happening. That's right. I have a crappy cell. No, I'm kidding. And that, we have, that, that's a joke. And we have but a we do get access to all this free stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and, and we added a food segment to our show. And not added. It's always been there. We have a food segment in our show. So once a week, we get to go out and somebody gives us a free snack. So that's perfect. So did you guys make the show longer because you wanted more stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we're going to be adding a totally. banking segment. It's just about right. money. We're doing a private jet segment. 
coming up. You figured it a out. gold segment. No, we made it longer for a couple of reasons. But one of them was um, at the time and still to a certain degree, public radio only consumed hours and kind of eight-minute segments with Marketplace being the one exception. It's one of the few half-hour shows. And so when our company decided or invited us to make this into a program they could distribute nationally, that was the thing. an hour. But at that point, we had built up. We were leaving so much of our stuff on the floor. Like we'd do a great interview with Spike Lee and then have to cut it down to like four minutes. So we were eager to expand our show. And then there were other segments like Etiquette, Eavesdrop. It allowed us to kind of widen the breadth of the stuff we were covering on the show. So, yeah. For those who don't know, the original show was like 15-minute podcast or 20-minute podcast. And that was the point of it. It was that you could sort of ingest it on your way to a dinner party and learn everything that you might want to know to talk about on the way to the party. But for the aforementioned reasons, we expanded it to an hour, although the way that we dealt with that was we still kept all the segments fairly short. We just added new segments and more and more work for us to do (laughs) concurrently. But that's why there's so many segments in the show, so that it's all kind of, by public radio standards anyway, pretty bite-sized. And it was kind of like, well, if we're going to expand, what is the other stuff that we talk about at a dinner party that we haven't on the show? We added the etiquette segment because that seemed like something that seems dinner party appropriate. The eavesdrop segment, somebody telling a story and talking about literature. So that's how it happened. Do you guys have some really amazing and horrible dinner party horror stories? Mm. I watched the host go down in flames, but I wasn't. What was it? Um, I, w- I was living in Prague at the time, and I was God knows what I was doing. I was writing arts and culture guides, and uh, I made friends with this guy Dean. He was this older guy. He worked at this company, and he had this dinner party. But he, he hadn't had a lot of dinner parties before. He was in retrospect, and Dean, if you hear this, I love you. But he was a little bit of a bro. Like he went to University of Virginia. He was raised in a very privileged kind of circumstance. I don't, I don't think he held a lot of dinner parties. But he invited us all over for a dinner party. Everyone at this company, and this company was like this crazy. 80 kids from all over the world, Germany, Australia, France, et cetera, given a lots of Web 1.0 funding money and put in Prague. So basically we were drunk all the time. So we <laughs> left the offices and went to his house, his nice apartment, and he was throwing this dinner party. And we're all drinking beer. And we're hanging out. We're on the balcony. And we're smoking cigarettes. And we're listening to music. And you know we're telling stories. And then at one point, like I go in to get another beer. And this is like 8 o'clock. And I walk into the kitchen. And I see this humongous roast pork loin that looks cool. Gorgeous. It's like herbs with little garlic spears and everything like that on top of the stove, on top of the stove, not cooked, 830 at night, this humongous loin, which is going to take like four hours (laughs) at least right there. And I'm like, Dean, man. Yeah. Uh, hey, come here, man. And he's like, what? I'm like, do you have some secret? Like, you, how do you cook roast pork loin? And he's like, um, uh, and I was like, I think, dude. It's pizza time. And then he, he, sure enough, he was like, oh, my God, I misread the recipe. Exactly. We called the local cafe and we ordered like 25 boxes of their like tortellini mushroom whatever. So we had this humongous styrofoam tower of Babel coming up the stairs. <laughs> And so it was kind of a disaster, but, but on the other hand, it was one of the most memorable dinner parties I've been yeah. to. It was, it was a blast. That's, it was fun. That, I think, is often the case. I can't think of a full-on dinner party disaster because very often, you know, as, if it's friends, the most disastrous thing that happens, people go, don't worry about it. And it then becomes like fun conversation. But I don't know if I should even mention this. It's the worst thing that I ever did at a dinner party. And I honestly think about it probably once every couple of weeks. <laughs> no, Rico, remember when you said if someone prefaces something like I'm just your friend, I'm going to be your governor in your behavior. <laughs> if you don't think you should say it, it's not, maybe you shouldn't. No, it's nobody's. Uh, I'm not going to call anybody out, but it makes me feel horrible. 
it was a guy that I went to school with, and he was with his wife, who I'd never met before. I can't explain it because she looked like a perfectly young woman, and for some reason he introduced me to her, and I said, "Oh, is this your mom?" Dude. <laughs> she wow. didn't look like his mom. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> I said it, and immediately I was like, "That's ridiculous." Of course, uh, I'm just, uh, and there's really no battling back from it ever. You know what they call that in etiquette? What? A faux mom. Oh, no. oh God. <laughs> the worst thing Brendan can ever say is that he just said that pun right here at our dinner party. <laughs> Thanks for doing that, Brendan, throwing yourself on yeah. that grenade and taking the spotlight hey, off me. Help, I'm helping you out. It was I'm awful. I seriously think about it all the time. Oh. It's like just the look on the guy's face and my, the redness, the bright redness that occurred in my face. Oh, my God. That reminds me of Arrested Development, Meet the Veals. It's a little different, Wait, I guess. I don't know that. Well, you're familiar with Anne, right? George yes. Michael's mm-hmm. girlfriend. When they first meet Anne's mother, he like flips out. Michael is very surprised that this super hot lady is Anne's mom. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're her mom? Are you sure? Did you adopt? And she's like, no, no. And then she goes, next you're going to say we could be sisters. And Michael's like, oh, my God, I would never say that. It was just a, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Bring that up with Michael when you see him. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Mm. That's awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. This was really fun for us. Oh, us too. Well, we're honored. Thanks for inviting us. Via Twitter, no less. Social media works. (laughs) Thanks to Rico and Brendan from Dinner Party Download. You should be listening to it. If you're not, all the cool kids are doing it. Yes, you can also follow them on Twitter and all of the good things. They're out there. Find them. And now here's some homework from Brendan and Rico. My homework for you is to listen to one song. However, that's a lot harder than it sounds because this song is 25 minutes long. I've been recently getting back into Pink Floyd, and uh, somebody had given me a whole bunch of Peel sessions from five million bands, and I was looking through my iPhone and was like, oh, I've never listened to this Pink Floyd Peel sessions. And I was listening to it on a plane, And this live 1970 or 71, I've been trying to figure out which year it is, but I can't tell, performance of them live at the BBC playing Adam Hart Mother with a full orchestra and a full choir. And it is one of the most astounding things that I've heard in the last couple of years. It just, it sounds absolutely of the moment. It turns out that that song, I didn't realize this, was originally called Theme for a Non-Existent Western, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like if Ennio Morricone made a movie and had Pink Floyd soundtrack it. It is so stirring. The, the, the orchestra that kicks in at the beginning of this thing, you have to find the 25-minute version because there's way more orchestra in it. But it's amazing. And a lot of it, I will also admit, there's some crazy psychedelic noodling in the middle where you're waiting for the orchestra to come back in and transport you <laughs> to this mystical Sergio Leone Western land. But, like, I seriously was listening to it last night thinking about that I was going to put this on your show. And, like, I was just sitting alone in my house, and every time the orchestra kicked on, I actually pumped my fist in the air <laughs> sitting on the couch. Listen to it. I think a lot of people are good. It's it's certainly for a certain kind of taste because there is a fair amount of jamming in it. But I find it amazing. Okay, so I don't know why I thought of this, but Nina Simone used to sing songs. 
There's an album called Emergency Ward, which she put out in 1972. It says Emergency Ward on the cover, and there's all these little news clippings from the Vietnam War. It's considered her comment on the Vietnam War. And she recorded part of it at Fort Dix, which was an army base in New Jersey and other places. And the first side of the album is an 18-minute version of George Harrison's My Sweet Lord. Um, we actually had this on the show once, Rico, you may remember. And she comes out, and it's a go- she has a gospel choir singing it with her. It's really up-tempo. It's raucous. But she also starts to blend in lyrics, or she makes them lyrics to a song, this poem from this guy named David Nelson called Today is a Killer. And he was part of this kind of black power poetry group called The Last Poets, I believe. Because I need to be with you. At the end, she starts weaving in, like, today is a killer, today is a killer. Today, today, today. It's like giving me goosebumps just saying that and thinking about it. I would hesitate to say gorgeous because it is kind of a political commentary on some level, even though it just deals with spiritual things because it's talking about God. And I guess the context is there's all this awfulness going on and kind of presenting that to some deity. But um, it is really beautiful. And I think it's kind of like the audio equivalent of staring at the Grand Canyon. It's just like Nina Simone and the height of her powers. And George Harrison, who this is why I also thought of this. I'm like, I get to sneak in three culture things in my homework assignment. George Harrison, one of the greatest and one of his greatest songs. And a little piece of poetry that could only come from America, for better or for worse. That's my homework assignment. You now have 43 minutes of listening. Epic listening. I love it. And I have one more homework assignment for you nerds this week. Our other favorite pair of nerdy co-hosts, PJ and Alex, previously of TLDR from On The Media, have a brand new show. It's called Reply All. They're at Reply All on Twitter. And the first few episodes are out. You can go listen to it now. It's them doing what they do best, telling interesting, funny, insightful stories about the internet. So go check it out. Follow them. PJ and Alex and their new show at Reply All. I am very excited to hear Reply All. I haven't yet. I'm saving them all up. Oh, it's now it's time to hear from you. Nerd confessions. We're still rattling around in the barrel of recordings we got from being at the Game of Thrones beer release party. These nerds were just a talking and a talking, and we want you to hear a few more of these that were collected live from the Oma Gang Geek Bar Chicago beer release event. Okay, I'm just about ready to hit Medicare age. And, sure. uh, I spent my sophomore and junior years of high school playing Stratomatic Baseball, which is a dice game that you uh, you create leagues and you have wins and losses, and the teams finish in first uh, through last place, and you have a whole season, and you keep statistics and stuff. So it's statistics and game playing and baseball. That absolutely counts as a nerd confession. Oh, great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks. Can I be a nerdette, too? Or? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Okay. Such good nerds. These always make me so happy, Tricia. You can call at 312-600-5638 to tell us about when you were at your nerdiest. Everything from epic fails to humble brags, welcome. You can also call to suggest a great lady nerd of history for us to profile or just to say hi. We love voicemails. That number again, 312-600-5638. Oh, and one other thing we want you nerds to help us out with this week. For next week's episode, we're doing a nerd holiday giving guide. Tell us about some of your favorite nerdy gifts you've either gotten or received. Tell us on Twitter at Nerdette Podcast, email us nerdettepodcast at gmail.com, 
or call us and leave a voicemail, 312-600-5638. We'll hear about some of the best ever nerdy gifts from all of you next week on the show. One thing I am very excited about is the set of animal earrings that are actually based on pets of presidents. How amazing is that? (laughs) Doris Kearns Goodwin would probably love that. Exactly. Nothing is too nerdy, guys. Let us know. Send us links. We'd love to have them. We'll compile them all somewhere on the interwebs for you as well the best nerdy gift I ever got. And I actually don't remember now if it was for Christmas or for a different birthday or something like that, but it's an Obi-Wan Kenobi bank. (laughs) And so the platform, (laughs) if you put a coin in it, the Obi-Wan then activates and does some lightsabering moves. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then it stops. And you can also set it so it's motion censored. So when I was a kid, and by kid, I mean middle schooler, (laughs) I had this because I think it was maybe 12 or 13 when I got it. And uh, anytime you walked by it, Obi-Wan would try to attack you because the motion sensor set him off. Now I still have it prominently displayed in my apartment, but it hasn't had batteries in many, many moons. Maybe I should get it some batteries. I'll get you some batteries. How's that for Christmas? That's an excellent (laughs) present for a nerd for Christmas is batteries for all of their other nerdy things they already have. Right? That's it for this week. Thanks to Rico Galliano and Brendan Noonan for taking the time to talk with us this week. Make sure you're listening to Dinner Party Download, PJ and Alex's new show, Reply All, and of course, Nerdette. Heck yeah, you can find us at nerdettepodcast.com. That's also where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Talk with us on Twitter at nerdettepodcast. Like us on Facebook. The show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson. With help from Joe Dassault, Patrick Burns, and Iris Lynn. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Our home stations are WBEZ and WCQS. Thank you for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Throw us some stars and write a review on iTunes if you're feeling generous. Like the excellent Geo Ginger did on iTunes. I like rocks and ginger, so I like you, Geo Ginger. Isn't that amazing? Yes. We appreciate the stars, the retweets, and the shares. There's one other way you can help Nerdette. If you're a nerd with a business or who works for one and wants to get your message heard by lots of awesome nerds, underwrite Nerd at Podcast. You can find out more by emailing us at nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.